You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. We've been looking at different characters in God's Word. We've been looking at where they were back then, as far as what God's Word teaches us. How did it relate to Jesus Christ? And then how does it affect our now? And hence the thing, then and now. Well, this week, we're going to close out the series, everything leading up to this moment, because I want to talk about the most central character in God's Word. I mean, this is what everything centers around. And I was trying to figure out the best way to, to introduce this character, because if you're like me, your mind starts racing like, okay, well, who is it? Who is it? I think I got some ideas. And so I, I did a little bit of research, uh, taking out the words a and thee and thou, And I went and I said, you know, I wonder what word is in God's word the most. Now, I know you're thinking, what does that matter? It doesn't. This is just me and my little warped mind because I was just curious. I was like, you know, I wonder what word shows up the most in God's word and how it relates to this this major character, this central theme, this, this character that the whole word revolves around. And if it tells us a little bit. And I've got some information for you. There's actually five, I'm going to give you the top five words that are in God's Word that show up the most. Is that cool? Now realize that this is depending on your translation, all right, because they are taking Hebrew, which is Old Testament, Greek, which is New Testament, and they're translating that into some sort of a, whether it be a language, English, Spanish, French, whatever it may be, but depending on your translation. So with that being said, are you ready? Here's your top Five words that are in God's Word that I hope are going to lead us to what this central character in the whole aspect in closing out then and now. The top five are actually, there's a tie for three, four, and five. All right, for three, four, and five, there's a little bit of a tie. It shows up 2,750-ish times in God's Word. The fifth one, if you want to take notes, you can. It's the word people. People shows up in God's Word 2,750 times. Tied with that, number four would be Israel. So not only does God's Word constantly mention people, but it constantly mentions also Israel. And then the third that's tied at 2,750 times is the word man. Now, I do not think it's by coincidence that the words that are in God's word the most are people, Israel, and man. Just want you to think about that. The second kind of starts really launching off the page. We go from 2,750 times to this word shows up 4,300 times in God's word. In the Old Testament alone, it shows up 3,000 times. And in the New Testament, it shows up 1,300 times. That word, God. God is second on the list. Now, I know you're thinking, how is God second on the list? Well, because the first word really starts to show us what this this central person, this central character of God's word. It's really going to point to it. I know a lot of you got something in your mind. Are you playing this game with me? Like, what is the central person? Well, the word that shows up the most in God's word, somewhere between 7,000 to 8,000. 
So we went from 2,750, and then we jumped to 4,300. Now we've almost doubled that. In fact, 7,000 times in the Old Testament this word's used. In the New Testament, it's somewhere between 600 to 700 times, depending on your translation. The word that shows up the most in God's word is the word Lord. Lord. Now, if you think about this, and you start thinking about what the word Lord means, I actually wrote you a definition. The word Lord literally means someone or something having a power, authority, or an influence. Someone or something that's having a power or an influence or an authority. That's what the word Lord is. And I would tell you that knowing that Lord is the word in God's word that shows up the most gives you a real big hint to who the centralized character of the whole gospel, the whole canon from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelations, the whole thing, who that character is. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, well, Mickey, there's kind of a big character that you're, you didn't mention. Like, he's kind of a big deal. Like, I would say it's the, the central character of the whole gospel. Jesus, and I would say you are correct, but I don't think you understand exactly where we're going today. See, Jesus actually shows up in God's Word 950 times, but it all shows up just in the New Testament, because until he tells Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, we don't hear of the name. We only hear of him as being prophesied about. And did you know that Jesus not only shows up 950 times in the, Old, or in the New Testament, do you know that every single book in the New Testament has the name of Jesus in it except for one? Third John is the only book that does not have the name of Jesus written in it. But I would tell you, though Jesus, listen to this, though Jesus is the most powerful name, I do not believe it is the central character of God's Word. I believe by far it's the most powerful name. In fact, we can look over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. By far, Jesus is the most powerful, but it's not the central character in God's Word. And if you go back to the word Lord, it'll give you a little bit of a hint. If Lord is something that has authority over something or someone, If Lord is something that has authority or power, then the question is, the only way something can be Lord is what? It has to have something that it's over. See, I believe, if we were to think about the central theme, and to help you understand my mindset, I want to know what does God's Word completely revolve around? Not the message, but what was God's Word completely written for? What is the concept of its going to? And I thought, is it Abraham? No. Is it, is it Paul? No. You know, Abraham's the father of many nations. Paul is, literally launches the whole missionary journey and takes the, the gospel to the Gentiles. You know, we can look at all of them from Adam and Eve all the way. But the reality is, listen to this. I believe, in fact, I want you to do me a favor. If you have a paper book, paper Bible, or if you have your phone, I want you to hold it for a minute. And I'm going to give you a very simple illustration of who the central character in God's Word is. The central character in God's Word 
is not in God's Word, it's holding it. Do you know that this whole then and now series and everything in God's Word revolves and is for you? Like in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was flesh, and the Word, all of that was because of you. When he spoke and things came into existence, you know why? Because of you. Like, I want you to grasp the immensity of this. Because we all the time go to different Bible studies and go to different classes and go to different things. And we study all these different biblical characters. And we talk about how great they were and how it relates to Jesus and how it's going to change somebody's life later. But you need to know the central character in God's Word always has been, always will be the simple pronoun, you. Billy Graham actually had an amazing concept. If you've ever heard Billy Graham, and obviously he has passed and was an amazing evangelist, but he was the first person that you ever heard make this statement. He would say, take John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He'd say, and take the word world out of it. And he'd say, and do yourself a favor and put your name there. And Billy Graham from a stage would normally read something like this. For God so loved, you can put your word, I'll use Mickey. For God so loved Mickey that he gave his only son, that Mickey believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. And altars would flood, and stadiums would fill, and God's Spirit would show up because people... You, me, realize for the first time what all of this is about. See, we're closing out the series of Then and Now with by far the most active character that will never end. It's you. Like somebody's probably never told you that, have they? They never told you as you're studying God's Word that you need to study it from a perspective because the whole thing it revolves around you. Christ's death on the cross was for you, the way you will respond to it, the way you will accept it, the way you will carry it out, the way that it will change your life, the way that you will live your life. Like we always talk about not being me-focused, but it doesn't matter whether you are here in present or whether you're online or whether you're going to listen to a podcast. You need to understand that you are a really big deal. You are a huge deal, but you don't feel like it, do you? Isn't it amazing that, that literally the centralized character of God's Word, you, is probably the character that feels the least out of all the characters in God's Word? Like, we'll talk about, we'll talk about people that murdered people. Talk about people that, that had adulterous affairs. We'll talk about people that were crucified, and we'll talk about all these different things. And, and, and no matter how terrible their life was, we will put worth to them because they're in God's Word. But when it comes to our own life, because we're not living in the, the testimony of who He is, because we don't know how our life's going to end, we usually take what is a very, very worthy life, and we devalue it, don't we? We start talking about, man, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if God's called me that. Who am I? I'm the least of these. Boy, you get into some places and they will browbeat you, won't they? 
Like God's inspiration in writing the canon, you know why this is written? So that you could know. So that you could know the plans that he has for you. The plans to prosper and not to harm. The plans to give you a hope in the future. So that you could study his word and you could actually understand who God is and what he is to you and understand what the characteristics and what he's calling you to do. So that you could study God's word and through a spirit of discernment, he could guide your heart and guide your life and lead you to a purpose. A purpose that will lead you and bring you hope. A purpose that will lead you to help you make a difference. We talk about it around here so that you could know God, that you can find freedom, so that you can discover your purpose, and then the biggest part of all, and then you can go make a difference. I said it just a few minutes ago in in our growth track. We were finishing up step four, and it's always a great step because we talk about dream teams. We throw a little bit of a breakfast party, and we eat biscuits, and we laugh, and we cut up, and all the coaches from different teams come in, and they they talk to them and see how to get them plugged in and how to make a difference because the bottom line is this. At the end of life, what do we don't want? We don't want to live life simply for ourselves, right? Like, isn't that it? Like, at the end of life, don't, we don't want to get to the end of life. We don't want to get to the end of a career. We don't want to get to the end of whatever you're doing and go, you know what, the, I, I'm the only benefactor of this. We want to actually make a difference. So if we are the central character of God's Word, then that gave me one question. What do we do with that? What do we need to do with that? Well, turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter 10, a very, very, very familiar verse that I hopefully give you a little bit of a different perspective today, but I want you just to think back to what this means. It starts in verse 9. Because, because of what? Because we understand. Because we understand that we are the central character of God's Word, there's something that you should do. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and it is saved. Right below it, if you have a paper Bible, write this beside it. You know what you need to do? There's three things I'm going to give you. You need to own it. Because you are the central character of God's Word, you are. You know, you need to own that. You need to accept that. You need to understand that whether you like it or don't like it doesn't matter. You are the central character of God's Word. I know you don't like to accept this fact. Why? Because we think there's a lack of humility, right? Who am I that God would bankrupt heaven and come in the form of a baby? But the reality is, is if you were the only one, he would have. You say, Mickey, prove that. Well, you ever heard the story of Noah? You ever heard the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? If I can find one in the city, he has always been in the process of redeeming the world if there's one that'll own it. The second thing I tell you to do is not you need to own it, but you need to love it. You need to love it. Listen to verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jews and Greeks. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches. Some translations will say generously giving, bestowing his riches on all who are called on him. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to learn, not only to own it. In other words, what God is calling me to, that is in my hands and I have a decision to make. But you need to learn to love it. What do I mean? Love the people. Notice it said no distinction between Greeks or Gentiles and Jews. You know, in the middle of this political season, I think the thing that is most frustrating to me and where I get extremely frustrated is how divisive both sides can be. Like at the end of the day, no matter what you feel, no matter what you want, at the end of the day, something's got to take place for us to be the united states of America. There is a concept of what divided states look like. Go over to Europe. Continent. One continent. Many, many, many nations. Small nations. Some nations the equivalent of the size of what we would call our states. Why? They didn't unite. Like at the end of the day, can I give you some encouragement? Yes, pray for the election. Yes, do what God's calling you to do. Yes, have an amazing biblical conscience that you can leave that voting booth knowing that you have done what you believe is in accordance to God's Word. Whatever that is to you, I trust God's Word enough and I trust you enough that you're going to take that as something, something, like people died for you to have a voice, so use your voice wisely. But no matter what that voice is, can I please implore us that no matter what happens on November the 3rd, November the 4th, we wake up in a united front. We don't wake up dogging everybody on social media because you couldn't believe whatever happened or that I told you so. Or how, what do you think about this now? Like that we start that process of what? Like, we got to come together. We got to be united. I think that's one of the issues when it comes to his gospel, right? Like, the most powerful character in God's word by far is Jesus. And his name, every knee's going to bow. But the central person that everything is written around is you. It's about you. And boy, you get a bunch of yous in the room, you know what you get? You get a bunch of opinions on how this message should take place. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know how you reach these people. I don't know about these people. These people have disqualified themselves, Pastor Mickey, because they believe this. Well, these people, like you ever seen that? You ever seen the, the propaganda that's out there? Hey, guys, we gotta, at the end of the day, come together. Can we disagree? Sure we can. Can we believe that somebody's wrong? Sure. Can we even have a conversation about it? And in the conversation with both of us still standing on opposite ends? Sure can. But at the end of the day, not only do we got to own it, but we got to love it. We got to love the use even when they don't go the same way we go. They got to love everything about us. And we got to love them back.
Why? Well, because not only you got to own it, not only you got to love it, but the last thing you got to share it. Listen to these verses. Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have never believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I truly believe that the greatest way that our then is going to end up affecting somebody's future now is we got to make sure that we are confessing and saying with our lives everything that this Bible is explaining. And I don't mind telling you that right now, to me, is a dark time. Because I don't see us owning it. I don't see us loving it. And I don't see us sharing it. I see us leveraging it. Like we have our own goals that we're trying to get. I see us trying to use it. I see us trying to set it up because of something that we want. Or something that we think that they should want. But I don't see us digesting it. Can I ask it a different way? If you are the central character of God's Word, then if I watched your life, what does it say about God's Word? Listen, don't buy the lies. The central character of God's Word is just like every movie. There's a point to its existence. It's what the whole movie builds up to. And you know what yours is? Carrying the hope of Jesus Christ to your friends and to your families by the way you love God and by the way you love people. To get to the end of your life and to make a difference. To get to the end of your life and to not live life simply for yourself. But most of the times we don't really do that well, do we? Well, I got one more scripture for you, because this is usually what holds us back, right? It's not that we have a problem owning it or loving it or sharing it. The problem is, is, is we have a problem with us being the central method in which that happens, right? We feel like we're flawed. We feel like there's something that we've missed. We feel like we've disqualified ourselves along the way. Look, let me give you one last scripture. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. This is my prayer for us. Moving forward, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, then underline these words if you have a paper Bible, highlight them if you're on a tablet, in believing I truly believe in 2020, most people don't have a relationship with Jesus issue. They have a believing in Jesus issue. Like they believe that Jesus is the most powerful person and through him you shall be saved. But they don't believe that Jesus could actually change their life and empower them to go do the miraculous. 
to go live a life that will be different, that would allow them to actually be a game changer. Like Jesus is one of these amazing characters that through Christ I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And that sounds like a great thing to put on the t-shirt, but we live a life of defeated frustration and suppression. And I want you to know that's not his intent for the central character of his word. He died so that you could be the greatest vehicle in carrying the message to all the world. You say, how does it get to all the world? Ripples. It starts with your house. And it goes to your neighborhood. You know what I'm talking about? Like this week, you're going to see all these leaves are falling. Some of you guys have somebody that may be a little bit elderly or, or may have a disability or or it may just have a bunch of trees, and it's just a whole lot of work. And you've got this gas-powered blower, and you know what? It, it would mean nothing to go over and just blow some leaves with them into the ditch. But just helping, right? Like doing something to, to actually talk and communicate. Can I ask you a simple question? What's your neighbor's name? Who lives on the right of you? What's your neighbor's name across the street? It's embarrassing, isn't it? You say, Mickey, man, I, I, I mean, I don't talk to them. You know, stranger danger, stranger danger. You know, that's how people disappear every day. At what point in our culture did we think that the greatest form of protection is detachment? Like the greatest way to make a difference is to isolate ourselves. Like as a country, when did we decide the most powerful position is exclusion? Like, if you don't believe what I believe, then I'm going to pack up all my stuff, and I'm going to start my own club. And I'm going to stay right here. And if, if the kids are out riding a bike, and, and somebody falls and gets hurt, I'll go check on them. If I accidentally run over your pet on the right way home, I'll stop and come knock on the door and say, hey, man, I, I don't know if this is yours, but I accidentally... If a natural disaster happens, well, I'll show up with a chainsaw. But you want me to go over there every day and just talk to somebody? You mean, you, you mean when I move into a neighborhood that I'm actually supposed to know these people that literally are, are separated by about 15 feet of yard? I ain't doing that. I'll tell you what I'm doing. By God, as soon as I move in, I know what I'm building a fence. I'm going to say it's for my dog. I don't even have a dog, but I'm going to buy one. I'm going to sound like an old boomer, but I can remember cooking and needing a cup of milk. And it wasn't, oh, my goodness, we ain't got no milk. Hey, run down to the store and get some milk. It was, man, we ain't got no milk. 
Run over to Miss Jones and see if she'll give you a little a cup of milk. We don't have no eggs. Mickey, run over to, to the Campbell's house and see if they'll get, they got two eggs. You're like, Mickey, people don't do that anymore. You're crazy. That's how you get shot. Or it's how you change the world. Do your neighbors know that if they needed something, you would freely meet their need? I believe you have that ability. And I'm not talking about eggs and milk. I'm talking about something a whole lot bigger. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about friendship. I'm talking about being able to protect each other. And to love them despite your differences. That, you, will not only affect the 2020 now, but has the possibility of changing the 2040, the 2060, or in the year 3000. Somebody else's now. But if we continue on this path that we're in, then, then our generations are going to be no different than these biblical characters that are in God's Word. It's going to be people that, that are talked about and they laugh and we throw up timelines and we say, oh, yeah, well, back then, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember back then. See, people start dating stuff. Trying to remember of, oh, man, when it used to be good. How about we make it good now? And I think I know just the people that have the ability to change the game. So as we start launching, I want to let you know of the theme that's coming in and starting next Sunday. We've already got a series planned. I believe we have November to do something before we hit Christmas at Crossroads that could truly be a game changer. You all know what it is? Put that image up. When they come together and they worship. And all of a sudden they're not talking about a church, they're talking about the church. They're not leaving service talking about what's for lunch. They're leaving service saying, how can I apply that to my life to change somebody's life? And when all hell breaks loose in their life, they don't fall apart because they know they can come somewhere where they're going to find some people that will say, you know what, we can do this together. Like for the next four weeks, all we're going to talk about is what does together mean? What is it that we can do together? And you'll hear more about that starting next week. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.